You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help us spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help others find this podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. We've had a great last six weeks. Six weeks ago today, I started a, a series on the blood of Jesus. Today, we'll conclude that series. Um, I encourage you, if you've not been a part of it, to go back on the internet um, and you can pull up uh, each week and it'll mean a lot more to you. If you remember, we started this series on the blood of Jesus and I used the scripture from the prophet Hosea and he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And that grieves my heart because we have all the knowledge that we need to live our life right here. If you remember, I had mentioned that if I was to ask somebody, where did Christ bleed? Where did he shed his blood? Most people would say at the cross of Calvary. And yes, that is true. But what most people don't understand and what we have been teaching the last six weeks, today will be the seventh. The Bible says that the number seven used in biblical times was a symbol of completeness, of wholeness, of perfection. It's not coincidence that Jesus shed from his body blood in seven different places. So all seven of those places that he bled is significant and it gives you and I a blessing. There is a benefit when you have the knowledge of God and you understand where that blood came from. In week one was the first place Jesus shed his blood and it was in the Garden of Gethsemane and we had this set out there and behind me that week we had several trees. Gethsemane is a garden of olive trees at the foot of Mount Olives right next to Jerusalem. Gethsemane, its name comes from the Hebrew word gatshemen, meaning oil press. And these olives on these trees, they would collect those olives, Vern, and they would put them in a press. And all the pressure would squeeze that oil out. It's very significant. Our willpower was also lost in another garden, in the Garden of Eden. Adam was instructed not to partake of a certain tree and he did it anyhow and that's how sin entered into the world. A lack of obedience. He didn't have the willpower to say no. So the first place Jesus shed his blood was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he knew the weight of the world. He knew your sins and my sins and all of humanity's sins was pressing on him. He knew the journey ahead of him. He knew his beard would be plucked out. He knew they would spit upon him, uh, the crown of thorns. He knew they would whip him. He knew they would nail him to the cross. And there he is in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But if not thy will, thy will be done. There was a struggle going on inside of Jesus. His spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. You need to understand he was all God, 
but he was all man. And he was about to feel the pressure, being squeezed like the oil pressure. And listen to Luke chapter 22. He prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When that blood was shed, it won back, it redeemed our willpower. If we was to be honest this morning, all of us struggle in different areas with willpower in our life. So when we face that, we need to plead the blood of Jesus. And we have power, like they sang about, through the blood of Jesus. The second place Jesus shed his blood was at the whipping post. Isaiah 53 and five said, by his stripes, we are healed. The guards were trained. They would take a whip like this that had bone or little pieces of steel. They put our savior in shackles, lean him across the whipping post. The Bible said they were allowed to give 40 stripes, but they would always stop at 39 because the 40th would usually take the victim to death. So they took him right to the edge. The Bible said his back was laid open. Kind of looked like the open field that had just been plowed. And in Isaiah, he says, by my stripes, you have been healed. I believe we're all going to die. Don't take me wrong. But I believe a lot of us die a lot earlier than we need to die because we don't have the knowledge of the word of God. And when the doctor gives you a bad report, then you need to plead the blood of Jesus because the blood that was shed at the whipping post, at the whipping post, Christ said, by my stripes, you are healed. Can someone say amen? The third place that Jesus shed his blood was from the crown of thorns shoved down over his brow. It won back our prosperity. Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden before the sin, they lived in total prosperity. Everything was perfect. But when Adam sinned against God, did not obey God, God shows up and he says, from now on, you will earn your keep by the sweat of your brow. God went on to say, I've cursed the ground with thorns and thistles. Very important. Now Jesus is headed to the cross. The guards are mocking him. The guards look along the side of the road and they see thorns and thistles. And they take him and they wrap him into a crown. And they shove that crown down over his brow and the blood begins to drip. Very significant. The prosperity that we lost in the garden and God cursed the ground with thorns and thistles. Now on the way to the cross, Rusty, they thought they were just gonna mock him, but it was a part of the plan. And these shed blood won back our prosperity. We don't have to be poor, busted, or disgusted. If we know the word of God, we are more than conquerors, the Bible instructs us. The Bible says we are the head and not the tail. Somebody give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. The fourth place Jesus shed his blood was from his hands. I believe the Lord is saying the same as he said to Joseph in the Old Testament. 
I want you to think about this and I want you to hear this. Think about that. Spikes going through the hands of our Savior. In the Old Testament, Joseph had many brothers. God gave Joseph a dream, a vision. God was going to use Joseph greatly. Joseph shared that dream with his brothers. Jealousy took over. They couldn't stand it. They took their own brother Joseph and threw him in a pit. They was afraid of the blood being on their hands. They got him out of the pit and they sold him to a caravan that was going by of slaves. Became a slave, ended up in Potiphar's house. There's a long story. They tried to destroy him. Potiphar's wife tried to falsely accuse him. But everything the Bible said that Joseph put his hands to prospered. So the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary gives you and I the prosperity to everything we place our hands on. And I've been praying, God, just loose my hands. This is the word of God. And then the, sixth, or the fifth place that God shed, the Lord shed his blood from was when they drove the spike through his feet. Every time I hear that hammer, it makes me cringe. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, that every place the soles of our feet shall trod shall be ours. Now, I didn't say you walk down through the Meadowbrook Mall and it's gonna be yours. All the enemies in life, every time you step and you're walking on an enemy, whatever comes your way, the blood that was shed on the cross, the cross has given you dominion over every place that you walk in your life. That is, that's significant. And then the sixth place, was the blood that was shed from his heart. The Bible says that as he hung there on a the cross, one of the guards took a spear. I visualize this cross, his cross being up higher. And he run the spear up through his side. The Bible says that blood and water ran out of his side. It's believed that that spear pierced his heart. There is a sack around the heart that holds water and that was broken and that water represents baptism and the blood that came represents the Lord's Supper, the partaking of the wine. He died of a broken heart. As I shared last week about the broken heart, He's able to bind up your wounds, the Bible says. He's able to give you a new heart. So today we come to the conclusion of what I believe has been a great, great series. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of the Word of God? The title is Bruises Won Our Deliverance from the Inner Hurts and Iniquities. It's one thing to be saved, and a lot of people don't even know what that means, but it's when you have an experience with the Lord and, and you acknowledge that you're a sinner. And the Bible says we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us our sins. We are saved for eternity. In the Greek language, sozo is, is the word saved and it means to be completely whole. 
So why do we go through this life as Christians always battle and always having struggles? It's because of a lack of knowledge. And this body of believers cannot leave here today after the last seven weeks and not have the knowledge. I thought of this this morning early. Why would we want to go to church and never learn anything? Why would we, number one statistic in church growth, why do people not go to church? Most people say I'm bored when I get there. Well, I'll tell you what, you leave here bored, we might want to call 911 because you might need taken to the morgue. You hear me? We're going to rejoice. We're going to learn. So today, let's learn the seventh place. He bled was from his bruises. Isaiah 53 and 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Let me stop there real quick. To transgress means to revolt. It means to rebel. It means to rise up against, and it means to reject God. Everyone in this building today, you will have an opportunity to either accept God or reject God. A transgressor deliberately disregards the warning of God. Most people say, well, we got a God of love. Yes, we do, but he's a God of wrath. Do you hear me? And they disregard the warning that God gives them. Man, I don't want to get too long, but I've done two funerals this week. One I did here last Saturday, I believe it was. Bill Christina, one of his family came in, 41 years of age from Ohio. I did another funeral yesterday and some of that family was there and the 41 year old went home the next day after the funeral and fell over dead. The Bible says, choose you this day, this day, whom you will serve. So in Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. And here's where I want to focus on the seventh Sunday of this series. He was bruised for our iniquities. Mary, would you bless the reading of the word of God, please, this morning. Father, we come before your throne this morning, Lord, humbly, Lord. We stand in the presence of an almighty God and a king of kings today. We worship you and we praise you. Father, we can't thank you enough for mm -hmm. the love that you showed upon that old rugged cross. Yes, God. All the love that drew salvation's plan, but all the grace that brought it down to man. We thank you for the blood today. We thank you, God, today, Lord, that it still has the same power today mm -hmm that it did, Lord, in days gone by. Yes, God. We thank you today, God, that we are able to come before you with mm -hmm. humble hearts and to pray and to seek your face, God. We thank you today, Lord, for the precious blood. Father, I can't thank you enough, Lord. Oh, God, for what it means. Help us today to take something from this place, God. Help us today, oh God, to learn, God, as we hear your word. Mm -hmm. Bless our pastor today. Anoint him today. But help us today, Lord, not to forget that old rugged cross mm -hmm. because that's what makes the difference. That's right. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The seventh place that Jesus shed his blood was in his bruises. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus went to the gates of hell and took back the keys of the kingdom to break every curse of iniquity. That word iniquity, it means a wicked act or sin. 
Maybe there's been a wicked act committed against you at some time in your life. It can be a spiritual force on the inside that pressures us to bow or bend under its destructive nature. How many's ever had a problem in your life that you've battled and, and, and after you would do it, you'd say, God, I'll never do it again. And you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. Well, I'm believing today when we leave, we're gonna have the knowledge of God, and we're gonna be able to walk out of here in freedom and in victory and say, God, it's not gonna happen again. I believe that this morning. Give God a hand clap of praise. If you have a bruise on your body, it means you are bleeding on the inside. Some bruises last a long time, and they go very deep. Have you ever been bruised in a relationship? Have you been bruised by a parent growing up as a child and you're still bruised? God said, not only will I forgive what you've done on the outside, but I'm going to give you power on the inside that you can walk in total victory. You see, when you come to know Christ, you have a new power on the inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's the third party of the Godhead. That's God living alive with inside of you and you've got the power of God. Listen to me, change from the inside out. The older we get, we wanna roll it, we wanna tuck it, we wanna dye it, we wanna blow the lips up, put a little bit of stuff right there in the forehead. Go ahead and laugh, because I'm talking about some of you and that sucky shirt that I'm wearing underneath this suit. <laughs> we can tuck it and we can roll it and we can twist it. It's not gonna make any difference. What makes a difference is when we're changed from the inside out. And that's where I found myself 39 years ago and he's still working on me. Can someone say amen? The Bible says that the iniquities of the father, you need to hear me, the iniquities of the father are passed down to the third and the fourth generation. Unbelievable. Again, my people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. People don't know this. In the book of Exodus chapter 34, verse seven, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will, will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and to the fourth generational generation. A generational curse, that's what the Bible teaches us, is believed to be passed down from generation to generation due to rebellion against God. I wanna ask you a, family, uh, you a question about your family this morning. Is your family in line? Is it marked by divorce generation after generation? Is it marked by incest, by poverty, by bitterness, by anger, alcoholism, drug addiction, laziness, worry, and other ungodly patterns? Does that fall in your family? If so, you're likely under a generational curse and it'll continue to your son, to his son, and to his son generation and it happens and we don't even understand why it's happening. The Bible says that these curses are tied to choices. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. 
He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, he says, choose life that both you and what? Thy seed may live. I've chosen Christ. My father chose Christ. My grandfather chose Christ. My children has chosen Christ. Life comes by a choice. If you have never chosen Christ and become a follower of Christ, there is no life in you. You are dead to this world, do you hear me? Dead to God. But when Christ comes in you, you are alive. And the next generation, and the next generation, somebody give God a great hand clap and a shout of praise. Verse 20 goes on to say, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life. Do you hear me? There's no life, Pastor, read outside of Christ. And the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. This choice is ours. 38, 39 years ago, I'm sitting on a bar stool. I turn, I look at my friend, I said, I love you, but I'm not coming back. And I left that evening and I went to my home church, had no idea it was on a Friday night they were having a revival. I slipped in the back door. The next thing I know, I took the best 12-step program I could ever take. I got up and I walked about 12 steps to an altar and I humbled myself and I said, God, I've fallen short of your glory. I've sinned, will you forgive me? And instantly, God gave me life. And I have not been perfect in those 38 or 39 years, but I have been saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And this earth is not my home. Heaven is my home. The choice is ours. You see, a decision has to be made. We choose either life or death. We choose either blessing or curses. There's an appeal of God's word here. He says, choose life so that you and your children will live a full and victorious life over all the trials and temptations and enemies of the world. It does not matter how long you've been walking with God, you will still have trials. You will still have difficult seasons in your life, but there is a peace, the Bible says, that surpasses all understanding that you can walk through the midst of adversity. My sister, I called her this morning. I sang happy birthday to her. She began to cry. She said, I'm just thankful that God has brought me through this cancer and she is cancer free. What a way to walk with God knowing that by his stripes you are healed. You don't have to take a doctor's report. You can take the report of the Lord. I'm trying to contain myself. <laughs> It's obvious that patterns of sin are passed down through fathers. So how do we break the generational curse? God has a plan for your freedom that will shatter the chains of that cycle forever. Identify it today. Put your pride aside and say, God, I want you to speak to me as a father. I want you to speak to me what I need to break. It will stop it in your life, the blood of Jesus from those bruises will stop it in your life and stop it from passing on to your children. You can be free. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, you can be free. Look at your other neighbor, the one that's half asleep right now. Say, neighbor, wake up because you can be free. 
Listen to what John 8 and 31 then said Jesus. Wasn't Robert. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall what? Know. What did we start out with? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He said, if you continue in my word, that's, that's the word of God, is what will change your life. Faith comes, the Bible says, by hearing the word of God. Then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Now listen, when you know the truth, it says the truth shall make you free. It's the knowledge of the truth of the word of God that will set you free and take the, sh the shackles off of you and your family. Jesus Christ is the anointed one. And what does that mean? It means he is the burden removing, the yoke destroying power of God that lives in our lives. You can't change it on your own. But you've got one, the Bible says, greater is he that lives inside of you than he that lives inside of this world. And we've got to know that. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse one. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, what mean ye that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Listen, behold all sins, or excuse me, behold all souls are mine. And as the soul of the father, so also the soul of the son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It doesn't have to be like father, like son. How many people said that? I, and I have heard people say, father like son. He's just like his dad. His dad was an alcoholic. His dad did this. He's just the same. It doesn't have to be that way. Because through the blood of Jesus, he forgives our sins and he delivers us from iniquity. So in this text, the people of Judah believed they were being punished for the sins of their ancestors. So Ezekiel gave God's new policy since the people had misconstrued the old one. And what is that new policy? God judges each individually person, not what's happened in your past, but you can be the one that can break that from going to the next generation. Oftentimes we suffer from those that have came before us, but we don't have to continue to suffer. Each person is accountable to God for his own actions. Jesus said, not only was I wanted to forgive you of your sins, but I was also bruised on the inside to do a miracle with inside of you. What comes out? Is it pretty? What comes in, comes out. If you bring the word of God in and the praise of God in and the praise of God up, what comes out will be good and it will glorify God. I ask you today, what comes out of you? Is it pretty? Is it godly? When you allow God to move in and work with inside of you, this will allow you to go from an angry man or woman, a bitter man or woman, to a godly man or a godly woman of God. I'm talking about being healed, this whole series, about being healed spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, 
We can plead the blood of Jesus to wipe away our sins and to set us free from the iniquity that drives us to do the very thing we do not want to do. Have you ever responded in a way and after it happened you thought, I didn't want to do that. But it's kind of like toothpaste. Once it comes out, you can't put it back in. Do you hear me? Here lately, and I mentioned this a couple months ago, in the last couple years there's been a lot of attention brought to abuse the abuser, the husband abusing the wife or whatever, and rightfully so. But have you ever stopped to think that the abuser was probably the victim at one time or another? There's been times I've responded to my son, both of my sons. My older son, he got a lot heavier than, than, than he's getting. And I didn't respond well. And I've had to apologize to him because I don't want him bruised. Now, I'm old school. I'm cut from that cloth, so don't give me no garbage. I brought you in this world. I'll bring you out. I'm talking about being healed. I want to read 2 Corinthians 5 and 15 if the man or who's ever at the keyboards would come back. Stand with me, please, for the reading and the closing of this. I want you, please, stay focused. It's not late. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and 17. And he died for all. Whew, he died for you. Personally, take that personal. He died for you. If you'd have been the only one. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. Now listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. Christians are brand new people on the inside. I did a funeral yesterday and the lady said, I hadn't seen her since I was probably 10. Not the lady I was doing the funeral for, her daughter. And she said, there's little Robert. I thought, well, he ain't that little anymore. And she said, I remember you used to just follow me and your sister around and annoy us. You was the rottenest kid I ever seen in my life, you know. And I hear it all the time. It's tough to minister in your own town where you used to be a heathen. But because of the seven places that Jesus shed his blood on a cross, I'm not the same person that I used to be because I am a brand new creation and so aren't you. And once Jesus comes into my life and your life, we are, not, we are not reformed. We are not rehabilitated. We are not re-educated. We are brand new creations. So if you have messed up, all you gotta do is confess it to God and he'll take it. He said, I'll cast your sins in the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered again. He says, as far as the east is from the west, that's the power of the blood of Jesus. Living in vital union with Christ, a brand new beginning. Let me say just a couple things. Our bruises don't always show. We come to church and we're all cleaned up and we got our makeup on, we got our nice clothes on and someone says, how you doing, Brother Robert? Oh, I'm doing great. 
We hide a lot of things. Our bruises don't always show. We put on a good face and we cover it up. When someone is bruised, it means he's bleeding not on the outside, but he's bleeding on the inside. God can change you today. I don't know why this keeps coming to my mind. It has for weeks in preparing this, but a lot of young children are assaulted in an ungodly way, molested, beaten, and they have to carry that bruise for year after year after year after year after year. There comes times they struggle and what do we do? We turn our back on them because we think they're no good and we have no idea. We assume that they're not worthy. We assume and we have no idea what they went through as a child. I'll close in asking you this. Are you bleeding on the inside? My friend Lynn Clellan that's not here today a couple years ago, he was running a chainsaw and it came across his leg. If it hadn't been for his son, it was way up in the head of a hollow. And his son reacted, saved his life. It stopped the bleeding. There's not a person in here that if you cut yourself, that you wouldn't want to stop the bleeding. But yet we'll walk around in our business meetings. We'll walk around in our careers, in our schools, deeply bruised with a smile on saying, I'm all right. No, we're not all right, but we can be. With the knowledge that you receive today, if you'll swallow your pride and say, God, stop the bleeding. Stop the generational curse in my family. <laughs> every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. I, I'm, I'm just feeling a little bold this morning. I'm not going to single nobody out. I'm not going to come to nobody. I'm not going to embarrass nobody. But if you have identified through this message that you've been bruised on the inside and you're bleeding and you want that to stop, would you slip your hand up high? Slip your hand up high. Slip them up high. My goodness, all over, all over, all over, all over. I want to pray with you, Father. I have no understanding, I have no idea of the deep bruises in your people here today. God, I know that I know that I know. God, that you're able and that you're willing. And I plead the blood of Jesus over each bruise, over every life, that through this knowledge, Jesus, you have set them free today. I pray that you change them from the inside out. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, is your soul prepared for eternity? The Bible says, what is your life? In the book of James, it said, it's but a, a vapor, a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. None of us know that today, this morning when we woke up was the last time 
Possibly that we ever bend over and put our shoes on. We don't know that. So I pray today that you know, that you know, that you know that it is well with your soul. Again, I'll not come to you. I'll not embarrass you. But if you can't answer the question that I'm about to give you, if you was to die today, would heaven be your home? If you can't answer that yes with confidence, slip your hand up high this morning. Again, I'll not come to you. Slip your hand up high. Is there one that would like to ask Christ into your life today? Is there one? Is there one? I'm not going to tarry. Is there one? Yes, I see that. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. I pray it's hard to see. I pray that I don't overlook anyone. And you don't have to raise your hand, but you got to raise your heart. You got to raise your voice. You got to make a public confession. You've got to pray and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And then you need to share that with somebody and not be ashamed of him because he was not ashamed of us. So that one that raised their hand this morning, pray this prayer with me and mean it from the bottom of your heart. Lord Jesus, today, I humbly come before you, Lord. And I acknowledge that, yes, I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I'm so thankful that you gave your life that I could have life. Lord, from this day forward, I do my very best to live my life for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Thank you.